Here we go. It's Monday, September the 11th. You're listening to Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And on Mondays, we take a look at readings for the following Sunday, which is going to be the 16th Sunday after Pentecost on September the 17th in the year of our Lord, 2023. The readings are from the Old Testament, Genesis 50, the Epistle, Romans 14, and the Gospel, Matthew 18. And they all have a similar theme. But the one we're going to look at in greater detail today is the Old Testament reading from Genesis chapter 50. It has some remarkable understanding of God, and we therefore need to take a look at it, plus know a little bit more about its background. Verse 15 begins of chapter 50 of Genesis, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. Now, their father, of course, is Jacob. And Joseph had brothers, and, well, they were a little worried when Jacob died because they thought that as long as Jacob was alive, Joseph would not pay them back for all the evil they had done to him. Where did that evil come from? Well, when Joseph was younger, he had dreams and he interpreted the dreams that not only his brothers, but his father and mother would bow down before him. Now, that didn't make the brothers very happy at all. And on top of that, his father gave him a coat of golden colors, and they were therefore jealous of Joseph. One day, when the brothers were out tending the flocks, Joseph came to visit with them. They put him in a hole and they sold him to slave drivers who were going to Egypt. And Joseph was taken to Egypt and sold. Now we know what happened. He ended up in jail because of false accusations of a woman against him. And then he interpreted the dreams of a butler and a baker. And then the Pharaoh had a dream. Nobody could interpret it. And he was told about Joseph, who was in prison, who was enabled to interpret dreams. So he got Joseph to interpret his dream about seven years of plenty, and that was with the crops, but that would be followed by seven years of famine. And so he put Joseph in charge. He was second in command in Egypt to take care of making sure there would be enough crops ready for the seven years of famine. Now, during that time, the famine, of course, occurred where the brothers and the father and mother were living. 
And so they were sent to Egypt to get food. And of course, they did not recognize Joseph. But then when he finally made himself aware to them, they came and they lived in Goshen. That's an area of Egypt that was pretty good for farming. And Israel grew and grew and grew. And we know later on that, boy, some 400 years later, the Pharaoh did not like them. He had enslaved them. And they had to, well, get across the Red Sea all the way to the land of Canaan. But we're at the point where Joseph and his brothers and his father and mother and family were living in Egypt together, and Jacob died. And the brothers said to themselves, and this is verse 15, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph. Now, this message was actually from Jacob before he had died. They said, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Now, when Joseph received that message, verse 17 says, he wept. And then in verse 18, his others, his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Boy, is that not a fulfillment of the dreams that he had had when he was younger? That the whole family are the servants of Joseph. Now, that term servants can also mean slave, and Joseph could have gotten even with them. But here's what he says in verse 19. Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Wow, is that ever an important message from Joseph to every one of us? And then, he says something else that is really good for our lives. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Now, talk about faith on the part of Joseph. He had really gone through a difficult time in his life, being in prison, uh, being sold by his brothers. And yet, he realized that God was working it out to good. That is a promise that God gives to every one of us 
Romans 8.28, all things will work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. That is hard for us to understand. But at times, much evil may occur in our lives. It may be injury. It may be the death of a loved one. It may be for all kinds of reasons. But the fact of the matter is, guess what? God is working all things out for the good for his people. We may not recognize that till we get to heaven, but it is a promise made by God. So Joseph tells his brothers, do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones, which means their children. And of course, in the land of Goshen, the Israelites begin to live a wonderful life until they're taken into slavery by Pharaoh, who does not remember about Joseph. And so the text ends. Thus, Joseph comforted them and spoke kindly to them. If that is not the essence of a Christian sermon, I don't know what is. But in a Christian worship service, we confess our sins to God. And we ask for the forgiveness of those sins. We do mention that we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment because we are not worthy of being saved. And that's why God is merciful to us. Being merciful to us means that God does not give us what we deserve for our sins. He instead gives us his grace, which means we get what we do not deserve, which is the forgiveness of sins. This comes true also in the Holy Gospel from Matthew 18. The disciples are always asking Jesus questions. So Peter comes up to him and says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? You see, seven was a big number. And it was a number that meant completeness. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Now that's 490 times, but it doesn't mean that you don't forgive on the 491st time. No, you continue to forgive. And therefore, Jesus backs that up in Matthew 18 with a parable about how the kingdom of heaven can be compared. Now, remember, the kingdom of heaven is the holy Christian 
church. It's the kingdom that God has instituted for all believers. And he's talking about, here's what the kingdom of heaven can be described at. He compares it to a king, and he wants to settle accounts with his servants. Now, one servant comes to him who owes him 10,000 talents. That is a lot of money. And the servant is unable to pay. So the master orders him to be sold with his wife and children, all that he has, and payment to be made. So the servant falls on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Now, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now, that pity is his long-suffering love that he has for the servant. And he releases him from the debt, forgiving him to have to pay the debt. But that same servant who has been forgiven 10,000 talents, he has a fellow servant who owes him only 100 denarii, which isn't that much at all in compared to 10,000 talents. And when he meets that servant who owes him only a small amount of money, he seizes him and begins to choke him. Pay what you owe. So that fellow servant fell down and also pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But the servant who had been forgiven 10,000 talents refuses and he puts that other servant into prison until he should pay the debt. Now, the fellow servants saw what had taken place, and they were greatly distressed. And so they reported to the master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned the servant from whom he had forgiven 10,000 talents and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And then Jesus ends that parable. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. That is a very interesting way of Jesus ending the parable. Because I believe a lot of people do not understand what it means to forgive your brother from your heart. The way to understand that 
is to understand what it would mean not to forgive. When somebody does something wrong to you, your initial response is what? To get even, to take revenge. But what does Jesus say? Vengeance is mine, I will repay. We do not have the right as human beings to take revenge on someone. Uh, For example, let's say you're a store owner and someone robs your store. To take revenge would mean that you would chase after them maybe find them and shoot them, put them to death. That's vengeance. No, instead, you let God take over. And how do you do that? By phoning God's servants, who would be the police, and reporting the crime, letting the police arrest the robber, letting the courts decide his guilt or innocence, letting the judge impose a sentence, and letting the warden fulfill that sentence. That's not taking revenge. It's allowing God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And therefore, a lot of people, when something happens to you, you feel that you still hate the person, you dislike the person, and therefore you come to the conclusion you haven't forgiven the person. Forgiving the person means that you will not take vengeance upon them. You will not do what the wicked servant did is choke them and put them in prison. No, you will use God's ways of taking care of that vengeance. That vengeance may not be obvious to you here on earth, but there will finally come a time when there will be no future for the wicked. Forgiveness is something that occurs in a Christian when they don't take revenge. They still may be angry at the person. They still may not like the person. To forgive doesn't mean that you now really care for the person and that you're not bothered by them. No. As Jesus says in another place, if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Uh, That's what happened in the world wars. We had nurses from the United States that would not only take care of allied soldiers that were wounded, but also soldiers of the enemy. When they were wounded, they would make sure that the proper surgery was done, 
and that a healing process would take place. It's not that the nurses really cared for them in the sense that they weren't angry with the enemy, but it was that they were not taking vengeance. Because the forgiveness of sins is automatically something that we have because of what Jesus has done for us, we need to be aware that many a times we have forgiven a person by not taking revenge or vengeance upon them and leaving it up to God. That same kind of feeling is found in the epistle from Romans chapter 14. In in verse 2, it says, One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. And then Paul goes on, Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? And remember, other Christians are servants of God. So, you may be in a church and maybe you don't really like a member of the church because he drives a fancy car. Now, you cannot afford a fancy car, but it is his choice to buy what he's able to buy. And so we are not to pass judgment. God will uphold him, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Verse 5 says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. For the one who observes a particular day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains from eating certain foods abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God for that. For none of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. And, and so, as Christians, and we're not talking about the area of sin, we're talking about lifestyle choices. Christians can make different lifestyle choices, and we are not to be prejudicial against a Christian because they make a different choice than we do. Because to this end, Christ died and lived again that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. 
verse 10 of Romans 14. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? Notice the word brother would refer to a fellow Christian. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Jesus does not despise life-changing decisions made on the part of Christians as long as they are not sin. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now that account is due to the fact that the Holy Spirit has been given to us either in our baptism or by hearing the word of God. And when the Holy Spirit is given to us, then we begin to do fruit of faith. And that's the account that God will look at on the day of judgment. So the Old Testament reading gives us a great example from Joseph that we are not in the place of God. Maybe evil has been meant against us, but God will mean it for good, as he did in Joseph's case. Thus, we comfort other Christians, speak kindly to them, and have a congregation of believers that have one goal, and that is to share the message of Jesus Christ, who died so that we will never really die, and who lives so that we live eternally. Three good lessons for the 16th Sunday after Pentecost, this coming Sunday. May you hear a proper law and gospel sermon. I'm Tom Baker. Join us tomorrow for looking at the hymn for this coming Sunday. Come down, O love divine. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.